gentlemen, this is Democracy Manifest. I may be ambitious, but I'm a man of my words, so I'm bringing it to you right now. And I was debating, there's two stories that I want to run through with you this evening. One of them is, is good news, happy news. One of them is not so happy news. So I thought... Maybe it's best that we start with the not happy news. We'll get out of the way. We'll move into the good stuff. Uh, it's short and sweet, this one. Uh, it's that the Cambridge Hotel up in Newcastle is very sadly set to close its doors. Now, uh, this is an iconic Newcastle live music venue. Been doing its thing for quite some time now. Just about every second gig in Newcastle is at the Cambridge Hotel. Uh, it's a great kind of mid-sized venue or smaller to mid-sized venues for touring bands to jump into. I know I've certainly seen bands there and enjoyed myself. Uh, and uh, it's been a really big part of the Newcastle community for so long. Um, unfortunately, I mean, Newcastle uh, really needs some others to pop up in place of it. It's really devastating to see these venues go. Um, the iconic hotel, Cambridge Hotel, is going to call last drinks mid-May um, through next year. So we've still got a little while to go. We've got about a year left with them, which is a bit nicer, I suppose, than um, what happened with the Lansdowne where we all found out about two months before it was bound to happen. Um, but, yeah, they're going to be making way for student accommodation. Uh, and it seems like a no-brainer that to have a live music venue below student accommodation would be really cool, uh, but that isn't exactly uh, what they're wanting to do. Um, the developers, uh, they're called Link City. They want to convert the Cambridge Hotel into no- a 19-storey student accommodation Um apartment block kind of thing with 500 rooms, dining and retail outlets uh, and student common areas in a development that's going to cost them many, many millions of dollars, no doubt. Um, The developers have said that they want to create a safe sanctuary for young people that may be living away from home for the first time and that a licensed venue uh, apparently does not align with that goal. Um, Speak for yourself. If when I was at uni uh, and I was living out of home, I had had a live music venue below accommodation, I think maybe that would have hampered my study a little bit, uh, but still would have made me very happy. So um, it's really a shame to see these iconic menus uh, you know, get the axe um, to make way for development, which is the exact same story as what we saw with the Lansdowne Hotel down in Sydney, uh, the iconic live music venue that was reborn in about 2017 after kind of, you know, losing its way a bit, um, taken on by Mary's group who are responsible for some of the best venues in Sydney and really big supporters of live music. With that venue, which I believe is due to shut in a week or two for good, um, they were going to get rid of the band room upstairs, which is a really crucial venue uh, in terms of its size for bands looking to kind of make their way in the city. Very similar to Cambridge here where you've got bands that, you know, are bigger than the real small intimate venues that are like 100 or less, but they are smaller than places like the Metro Theatre or the Factory Theatre, which will take hundreds, you know. Uh, those, those kind of venues are really important stepping stones for bands as they move uh, up and move through their live music journey. So when you see them closing like that, it is uh, not only are we losing the venue, but bands are losing the opportunity to find uh, new audiences to play to new crowds. Uh, so to to not have anything at the moment uh, ready to replace them is a bit disappointing. But we'll cross our fingers and hope that something pops up in the meantime. So that's the sad news out of the way. Uh, we got the other way. Hopefully you're all okay. I mean, at least Newcastle has a year to to 
prepare a new live music venue for us. Whether that happens or not remains to be seen. But we're going to jump to the happy stuff right now. And that is that the final round of Rise funding has been announced. Now, the RISE, RISE for, for starters, stands for Restart Investment to Sustain and Expand Fund. <laughs> That's what it is too, which is um, a really bureaucratic way to name something for the arts. But anyway, we'll move on from that. This is a fund that's been set up in response to the pandemic. It did form a part of the uh, Better Late the Never um, woefully inadequate um, arts support that was announced uh, $250 million, I believe it was, uh, towards the very end of 2020 or even early 2021. Um, the RISE grant scheme was a big part of it. Now, one reason that uh, it copped so much criticism at the time, I mean, we've covered it pretty extensively here at Home Brewed. If you're wondering why I'm, uh, you know... talking so down on it uh it was it was simply that there just wasn't enough you know there wasn't enough money when you compare it to the contribution that the arts makes for our economy how many people it employs how much money is needed to keep the industry afloat it was you know a drop in the ocean and uh so to respond to that the original uh arts the rise funding was about 75 million dollars this is going to be in the form of competitive grants uh that um anyone looking to put on an event in some way or support a tour or things like that. So this is musicians, bands, uh, this is promoters, event organisers, um, venue owners, etc. They could all submit to uh, get a slice of it. And one of the initial criticisms was, well, $75 million is no doubt a lot of money, but when you're trying to chop that up between the entire Australian music scene in a competitive scheme that is capped in its price, well, it's uh, inevitably going to have a lot of people missing out. And so that happened. They had the first round. They got through $75 million pretty quickly. And to the government's credit, the federal government's credit, they have topped that up uh, considerably since. So right now, uh, the total, and this is the final round, the total amount of money that has been dished out is $275 million. So that initial $75 million was added to, to the tune of $200 million which is really good. And what we've seen through the various rounds of funding go out is some really deserving and really, really good um, performances, acts, uh, events, festivals, etc. all receive funding uh, and security to put on their events, um, which has been obviously good for the, those guys in that sector. They've had a very hard time during COVID, um, very hard to access a lot of the financial support due to the nature of their work, but it's also good for us because we've had more events and more things to go and consume as we emerge out of, uh, hopefully, out of this uh, very long two years of lockdown, cancellations and restrictions. Um, And so this final round of RISE funding, it was allocated, uh, allocated, not allocated, (laughs) not allocated, but maybe we can start using that as an expression. Um, The, uh, yeah, that was all dished out uh, last week. Um, Unified Music Group, which holds the Unified Festival, um, were a big winner for that one. They had an application for regional showcase and merchandise pop-up store project, which featured performances and goods designed by the artists that are on its roster. They got four hundred and eighty grand to make that one happen, uh, which is great. Six hundred thousand dollars also earmarked for Empire Touring um, in a national tour of Australian performers that are going to visit 23 locations to pay tribute to the world's best, including the Rolling Stones, Nirvana, John Lennon and David Bowie, plus more. Uh, So that looks like a big kind of cover tribute uh, tour uh, that you can look forward to. 
British India, who, if you are a regular listener to our show, would know are from Melbourne. Uh, and if you're not, you wouldn't understand that joke at all. Uh, have got 140 grand to support them on a national tour with a focus on regional towns, which is great to see. Side note, really fantastic to see so much going into uh, regional touring uh, since the beginning of the pandemic, I think. A lot of this actually emerged out of a like, logistical, you know, it was easier and a kind of different way of doing things. But since then, we've seen so many massive, massive, um, you know, like 50-stop regional tours that bands are embarking on. They're stopping at so many towns that otherwise wouldn't have got a look in when it comes to live music, which is fantastic to see. Central Coast, of course, has been um, considered and included in a lot of those tours, being classified as a regional area. So we've been beneficiaries of that here on the coast. So it's good to see that continue uh, via British India. Um, also getting a win in this one, Queensland Yeehaw Events. They received, I love the name, by the way, they received 577 grand uh, to present North Queensland's Rock and Country, which is uh, featuring more than 40 homegrown acts uh, that their organisation is confident. Uh, they're saying it's going to reboot the industry and the careers of emerging artists, which is what we're all about here on Homebrewed. Um, Live Nation, the concert uh, presenting giants, they've received nearly 100 grand uh, to produce the on-stage series at the Palais Theatre in Melbourne, um, which is part of the uh, massive group's entertainment empire. Uh, the Denny Ute Muster, an iconic Australian event, got 400 grand. Darwin Festival, 482,000. Um, Wildlands Music Festival, 277 grand. Um, the single largest grant in the seventh round of those of Rise Funds in the final round was 714 or just about $713,950 awarded to musical theatre production company LPD Productions. That's to produce an 18-week national tour of rent across regional and metropolitan Australia in 2023. Um, yeah, so 700000 also went to the Black Swan State Theatre Company. Um, they're going to do a national tour. Uh, and there's a whole bunch more out there. You can find that all on the Rise uh, Grants uh, website, which shows you kind of all the money that's been handed out, where it's gone, what it's done since. Um, it's fair to say that a lot of musicians, um, a lot of artists, uh, performing arts, etc., probably wouldn't be here if they weren't able to access some of this money. So it has uh, very much been a lifeline for so many people in this industry. Uh, really, really good to see it going out there. It'll be interesting to watch now that these opportunities have kind of dried up for the foreseeable future, how the industry bounces back as government support is slowly withdrawn, um, whether uh, the market and the appetite of consumers is quite at pre-pandemic levels. Uh, I don't think it is yet. I mean, we know that a lot of people are still very hesitant to go out for a multitude of reasons related to COVID. Um, and we know that ticket sales haven't been quite as exciting from everything to live sport to live music, um, uh, as we would have hoped uh, this year and moving into winter, we know how that could get uh, with the pandemic. So we'll have to see how that goes, uh, but it is good to see money getting out there, things happening, um, gigs on the way and artists being supported. Uh, yeah, we've, we've spoken about the poor plight of uh, people in the arts sector here in Homebrewed quite a lot, and uh, any support they can get is very much needed and will not be wasted. Um, those RISE fundings were first announced in June 2020, it was. Um, 
since then, uh, yeah, Rises has put a fair bit of money into it. They reckon they've supported 213,000 jobs, which is great, um, and uh, money that's yeah, undoubtedly helped cre- uh, keep creative communities afloat during this period. So it's good to see that. That's the uh, that's the happy news that we were going to end on there. Um, but that's the end of the music news for this evening.